1: Hello and welcome to Watching the Tudors. I'm Heather.
2: And I'm Jonathan.
1: And this is the show where we break down the story behind the drama. Break it down, Really? <laughs> so I'm Heather and I have another podcast called the Renaissance English History Podcast, which I have had since 2009. And I thought it would be fun to go back and rewatch the Tudors from the beginning and look at what was true, what was fact, what was drama, what was just made up all of that.
2: And I'm Jonathan, her husband, and I thought it would be fun to watch this for the first time with my wife and learn a little bit about all the history stuff that she knows about and talks about with her history friends.
1: <laughs> with my history friends. So this was season two, episode nine, and it was called Active Treason. And you were really affected by this.
2: Yeah, I don't. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, you, you, I, you're very sensitive. He's tearing up. We we, it, we had – this is where Anne gets charged, and the men get charged, and a lot happens in one episode. There is a lot to unpack here. So um, let's just – as a note, if you want to learn more about us, you can go to watchingthetutors.com, which is actually a page on my other podcast page, the Renaissance English History Podcast, which is englandcast.com, englandcast.com. So either of those places, you can get all of the show notes and the – stories and resources and all that kind of stuff and learn more about us um so before we get into the questions let's also just do our spoiler alert
2: spoiler alert <laughs> <laughs> everyone dies
1: Everyone dies. So we assume this is a TV show. We assume you've watched it or are watching it with us. So don't listen if you don't want to know what happens. And we also assume a level of kind of knowledge of what's going to happen in the future. We might like hint in the, at in the things. broader
2: in the broader scheme of things. We'll hint it. At-
1: like Elizabeth things. becomes queen and stuff oh like that. So that's our kind of spoiler alert. So don't listen to this if you don't want to find things out like that. So there's a lot to talk about in this episode.
2: Yeah, I guess right there's in? a lot to talk about. I, I had less things had less written. Out. Yeah, I think because like they, right they kind of just
1: jumped over. They're like, oh, there was a trial. And it's like, we didn't even see the trial. Yeah. It's like, can we see the trial? I, I don't know. So yeah, go on.
2: Should we, yeah, let's get into it. Okay. So Henry apparently had an abnormal son.
1: Yeah. So that the only record of that that we ever, ever have is from a Catholic recusant writing later, um, later, later, and he's the only person who ever mentioned and he said it was a shapeless mass of flesh right? So this is somebody who wasn't there. And like, this guy wasn't even born until 1530. And so at the time, nobody said anything about a deformed fetus. Um, people said it was before her time, that was three and a half months, everything like that. Um, even Eustace Chapuis doesn't say anything about a deformed fetus, which yeah. if there were any rumors of that, certainly he would have said something like that. So at the time, this wasn't something that people talked about at all. She was about three and about four week or four months or so along. Yeah. So, you know, it wouldn't have looked like a full baby, yeah. but there were no rumors of this at the time.
2: Yeah. And do you think, it's just sort of an opinion, do you think Henry would have seen his son like that?
1: I don't know. I mean, they, it's hard to say. I think that it, interestingly, I don't know how this relates to a king, but one of the things they found in looking at pregnancy stuff. Um, One of the things I find this I'm going to get on a tangent, but I'm going to try to do it really quickly. At the time, at this time period, men were not allowed in the labor and delivery rooms. Obviously, this was a place just for women and midwives were actually granted the right to uh, baptize babies. And they were the only people other than priests who could, who could do that right. Um, they could do the last rites and stuff like that. That was because in case a priest couldn't come in time, the midwife could do it. And so midwives would baptize even if they could get any part of the body. If the mother was dying and they did a C-section, for example, if they could reach in and hold on to a part of the body, they would baptize them babies were seen as parts of the family. They've done research and found that in excavations, oftentimes, if the if the fetus wasn't baptized, it couldn't be buried in consecrated ground, but they would have them buried like in their home, they would have dug up a a grave in their home so that they could be close to them. And so to me, that shows that it's a very touching thing that even though this was a very common part of life, much more common, you know, I think than today, and it was just a, a part of everyday life that you would lose children and die, childbirth and stuff like that. Um, Even though, of course, we know it still happens today a a lot more than people necessarily know. Um, Even though it happened a lot, these babies were still seen as precious to the mothers and to the families, and they were still integrated into family life in some way. And so with that in mind, it doesn't seem like the most outlandish idea that Henry would have wanted to have seen his son. At the same time, a king you know, I don't know how human he would have wanted to have been at that time. And especially with the mind in the way his mind was. So I short answer, I don't know.
2: Yeah. And then in comes the Seymour guy. Yes. So who who is he? He's, he's so that's Jean's brother. Yeah.
1: And that's it. Her older brother. He was the one who was kind of they say, kind of coaching her on how to get the king's attention, and he would later on become the Lord Protector when his nephew was king. Her son mm-hmm. who became Edward, so um, that's who he was, and he was her older brother. He was. She had two brothers that were there at court playing this playing this part with her, Edward and Thomas. And Edward was very, very smart. Thomas was not so smart, but they both wound up losing their heads within a couple of decades.
2: Both Seymour brothers. Yeah, not so. by Henry. Oh, geez.
1: Well, they got caught up in plots. They tried after Henry died and Edward became king. To start with, Thomas Seymour did some really silly things. There's rumors that he was like trying to get married to Elizabeth. Elizabeth was a teenager at this point. And there are even rumors that he was like potentially molesting her and like really weird stuff. But he did something really silly. He tried to kidnap Edward, his nephew, apparently. And he wound up breaking into his rooms at night. And the dog barked, and he shot – it was either a shot or a knife. Somehow he killed Edward's dog. This they, is crazy. He killed the king's dog, right? And so he had to lose his head for that. That's like total treason.
2: And then <laughs> – Yeah, you killed my dog.
1: Right? Well, because he was in the act of trying to kidnap Edward, I, I supposedly. Yeah, no, um, And then Edward – and then the, the older one, the Lord Protector, he just got caught up in this coup as the Guilford family was rising. And it was just a, a mess, and, and he, he lost his head. So
2: there you go. <laughs> it's just something, and, and of course, one of them was named Thomas because because they have everyone's to be. named Thomas. Everyone's named Thomas, yeah. And now he's giving like lockets to yeah Jane. Like this is just ridiculous. I mean, he's like officially moved on, huh? Yeah. I mean, and
1: apparently, I think this incident happened before even her miscarriage. So the timing is a little bit off. Uh-huh. Supposedly, this happened when she first. Came there. Um, but yeah, no, he's he's officially moved on. That's crazy. Yeah.
2: And then Anne really, like, saw the locket on her? Yes. Oh, my yes. gosh. And um, I'm trying to find here
1: that one of the kind of quotes about it, there was a, a woman who was a lady to Mary the first reported scratching and blows between the queen and her maid. Oh, my gosh. So
2: they really, like, fought about mm-hmm. it.
1: Yeah. And then also, so let's see, we have, uh, this was written in 1608, a little bit, you know, uh, 80 years later, but, you know, potentially closer to it, said that it is currently traditional that at her first coming to court, Queen Anne Boleyn, espying a jewel pendant about her neck, snatched thereat, desirous to, to see the other unwilling to show it, and casually hurt her hand with her own violence, but it grieved her heart more when she perceived it the king's picture by himself bestowed upon her who from this day forward dated her own declining and the others ascending in her husband's affection
2: Ugh and she really hurt her hand and everything yeah. wow that's crazy yeah this whole thing is crazy it really is isn't it yeah yep and then Anne goes to see Cromwell, Cromwell. hmm. and he's all happy about the reformation and she is not she is not no. happy at all no she's not like, would, would they talk like that often? Like, I mean, not, not often, like every day, but I mean, yeah,
1: because he was, you know, he was one of the people that helped get her there. Right. So they would, they were, he was friendly with her until it became clear that they were until, on the outs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: Man. I mean, she's just, Yeah. Like she doesn't like anyone. She, it's like I said when like we were no watching this. Her.
1: She played it so well in the beginning, but she, she lost her. She lost her touch at the end. Like
2: I was saying, it's like she just quit playing the game. Like she just didn't even care. Like she yeah. was just like, I don't even care anymore. Just, yeah. So what was the Cromwell Spanish ambassador? conversation about, like when he was talking to Chapuis, is that his name? Mm -hmm. And he was talking to Chapuis. Well, they
1: were trying at this time to negotiate a deal between England and Spain, Uh that they would be able to be friendly again. Yeah. So that's, I mean, they were just trying to work out the details of that.
2: And like, I guess it was also setting up later, like King Henry kind of losing his mind when he got upset with Chapuis and like, yeah, he wanted to set it up at the beginning. And yeah. All right. And then Anne is just talking to who I guess Boleyn's her her brother's wife. Yes. Did she really say that about the king? Like
1: (sighs) Yeah, there's she said stuff like that. I I don't know how public it was, but yeah, there's stories that she was joking that she joked about that in public. Which wasn't a good plan. No, well, I mean, she, you know, it's it's hard when you're queen. You think you're with your girlfriends and you're just hanging out, chatting, and and also you have to remember she was still hormonal at this point. She just lost a baby, and her hormones yeah. were probably crazy. Yeah, so she wasn't thinking properly. Who knows what kind of postpartum issues she was having and all of that.
2: Mm-hmm. And then there was uh, what's what's the violin guy's name? Smeaton, Smeaton, Smeaton. Like there was a little part with him. Like, yeah. was there any? evidence about him and Boleyn, him and George. Um, that's just
1: so... This whole story... George Boleyn I mean, thing. You know, I think a lot of these rumors came down later, because Cromwell did such a good job of smearing so everybody. smearing
2: everyone. Yeah.
1: But at the time, you know, there, like I said before, I think there were no rumors at the time that Jane and George's marriage was anything abnormal. So there... There wasn't anything at that point yeah. that would have led people to have thought that. Yeah, And I, you asked me, I'm just going to skip ahead. You asked, did she just really Did she really give evidence against him? And I just want to say that now, because we're on this yeah. thing with Smeaton. She did. She was one of the people who gave evidence against,
2: against, George. against
1: George. But also, you know, in this novel I just read by Adrienne Dillard, The Raven's Widow, she sets it up like it was something that they had planned together, because she still had to think about her rights after he was gone, right? Mm -hmm. And if they were really a happily married couple, he would have been concerned for also like, her speaking the truth. And if he knew he had nothing to hide, it's like, yeah, of course, she's been in in the Queen's or he's been in the Queen's bedroom. Like there's he's her brother. Like, yeah, why would you lie about that? And so, you know, she quite possibly went into giving this evidence not necessarily even thinking it was going to be used against them, but also just telling the truth. She was asked to testify, so she's going to say what she knows. And also she wants to not lie, because if something does happen to them, she needs to protect her rights. And she did have to fight for some stuff. Thomas Boleyn – didn't want to give her her widow's dower or her her widow's portion. And you know, Cromwell helped her get that after. But you know, something that they found that was really interesting is she conti- she's the only person when they when the men went to the tower, she's the only person who tried to write to George, she tried to write him a letter. And nobody knows what was in that letter. But it's reported that she wrote him a letter and Cromwell was going to give it to him or something like that. Um, and she's the only person that made any effort to do something like that. And also she continued to wear black in mourning, even after like years for the rest of her time at court, which if those people were convicted of treason, seems like quite a blatant thing. Yeah. If you didn't love your husband, yeah. that you would continue to wear mourning for him. Mm-hmm. And so she did that. And so that's something else that's like in favor of that. It This wasn't,
2: this, this wasn't how it was portrayed exactly. in this movie about yeah. them fighting and not loving each other and all that. Yeah. Um, and then Anne loses her mind on France. She does. And that was just that was just something. Did, did you find any evidence about that?
1: I can't find anything that she said anything okay. like this. I'm sure, though, at this time they were trying to pursue an alliance with the Emperor.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If something like this... She was probably trying to cover herself as much yeah. as she could. Okay.
2: And then the Boleyns are talking to Chap- Chapuis. Yes. Like, he, he doesn't care about them. No. Like, at all. I no. Mean, he, he, yeah. I he's mean, like, he's, I don't, whatever. Yeah. You can talk. I'm but listening. But
1: they didn't really portray it very clearly here. It was, it was actually this week um, that we're recording this in 1430, or sorry, 1536, that um, Chapuis was tricked into recognizing Anne as Queen, he had gone the entire time of her of her reign without ever having to bow to her. He like did some fancy footwork and got out of being next to her and stuff like that. And it was at a church service that was in April of 1536, where they arranged it so that he would have to be right next to her and he would have to bow to her and say your majesty. And it was like this big trick. And she was quite like chuffed about it. Like, oh, look at me, I'm victorious over Chapuis. But really now looking back on it, people say like, okay, this was Henry's way of getting the emperor to recognize his right to have whatever wife he wanted, that the emperor had nothing to do with that, and the emperor had to respect it. And then he could put an end to Anne having made that point kind of thing.
2: You just just keep her around to make the point. And then-
1: right. And so they didn't show that they showed kind of where she was walking through the hall, and he yeah, had yeah. to like, kind of bow it up. But it, it was kind of it was a big deal. And she was yeah. really really pleased with it at the time and you know thought it was a good sign for
2: her huh and then henry's losing his mind about you know on chapui uh like saying she's my wife you need to respect her like i don't really get like is all the pressure just getting to to henry like
1: well like i said i think possibly but he also he was tired he's tired of people telling him like who he of the emperor saying you can't marry i I
2: get it i mean it's It's like
1: i'm married like I made the choice. Just cut it. Cut it out. With I'm your king, shut up. Yeah, exactly. Just shut up. And also, like when we brought, there is Henry did say, you know, am I not a man like anybody else? Mm-hmm. Do I not have the same ability to have children and stuff like that? And yep. so I think this was just kind of working that into like, yeah,
2: the frustration. And, yeah. Okay, and then then there was all the men dressed in black with the king, and he said, "Yeah, there has been rumors that have been brought to light." yeah um it's like hey guys we figured out a way to get rid of you know what i mean i
1: honestly there's this is one of those things that goes down in history that people debate and a lot of historians now think that cromwell planned the whole thing really leaving henry out of it like henry said to cromwell figure out a way for me to get unmarried to anne yeah cromwell went away and planned the whole thing and it was almost like plausible deniability kind of thing Uh like some people actually think that Henry may have really believed these charges against her. Because, yeah. like, he said to Cromwell, go find me a way to get yeah, out yeah. of it. Cromwell goes and does some research.
2: And, and, and then unquote, Cromwell discovers.
1: Right. Yeah. And that was, like, all Cromwell yeah.
2: doing that, yeah, and Cromwell
1: it. knew. But then he comes back to Henry and says, look, all this happened. Yeah. And Henry might have actually really...
2: Believe believed it. it Yeah. well that's how they're portraying it in this show yeah I mean, he's like heartbroken with yeah Brandon and-
1: yeah 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 exactly and he certainly was acting like it at the time yeah. for for a lot of the period so there are people who who think that that's how it was set up
2: yeah what a- All right. And then so to, to, I was gonna ask you if they're torturing people. And you, you kind of mentioned something about how the one guy wasn't royalty.
1: Yeah. So Mark Smeaton was the one in all of this who had the most that he really had to be careful about. And he they show Brereton confessing. Brereton didn't confess. Mark Smeaton is the only one to have confessed. Mark Smeaton is not noble. These other men were all nobility. Yeah. So they would have been treated differently. They would have had their own apartments at the tower, and they wouldn't have been tortured and like all that kind of stuff. Mark Smeaton didn't have that going for him. He would have been tortured, mm-hmm. for sure. He confessed. And a lot of people think that Cromwell basically held out to him, like, it'll go easier for you if you confess, and give us the evidence that we need. Because then Smeaton implicated all everybody yeah. else kind of thing. And the big thing for Smeaton... Like, they might have said your life, he might have believed his life would be saved. But the other big thing was a traitor's dre- death, if you were not noble, was
2: uh, yeah,
1: hanging, drawing, and quartering yeah. while you were
2: alive. Yeah you, yeah, you told me all about that.
1: So if Cromwell hung that over to him and said, look, you can be beheaded yeah. if you do this, or maybe your life will even whatever. be saved, whatever. That's why Mark Smeaton was a little bit different than the other men. In this. See. and they don't really show that that distinction yeah. between him well, it's
2: hard to explain and yeah and then did norris like actually have anything for Anne? like what is, no. what's going on there that's no. just some weird and thing
1: there is okay so there is a story that she said that to him and that that is true that she said that to him and she was overheard they said it in private and it was like they were kind of joking maybe and who knows exactly right yeah yeah and the whole way that this went down wasn't how it went down. How the men were all arrested and stuff like that. There was the May Day jousts on May first, was where things st- started to go south. But they had the joust, and Henry Norris actually jousted in the joust, and Henry gave Henry Henry gave Henry Henry the king gave Henry Norris his horse when his horse wasn't working, uh-huh. wasn't working, whatever, um, whatever. <laughs> it wasn't running. and yeah, and so they were acting like everything was okay, and then. And then they arrested him after took him away for questioning. And they kind of got all the men after that mayday joust. And that was kind of a really big deal because Anne was at the joust being a queen, you know, acting all queenly and stuff. And they don't show that here. And I think that kind of adds to the drama of like what it was like. Like she's sitting up there having this great mayday joust while meanwhile, everybody else is, you know, getting arrested in secret like after the joust. The thing with Norris is – like a week before she said to like her almoner she asked somebody to make sure everybody knew that she was a good woman and she didn't mean anything by that comment like she was worried about it cuz she somebody had heard her
2: about make that comment, comment
1: that you look for dead men's shoes Oh, okay. So I think they were, like, talking and they were joking and, you know, like, maybe doing some banter, which, as Queen, she shouldn't have been doing, but, you know, who knows? And someone overheard it, and she knew that somebody overheard it, and she went and wanted to make a really big deal, make sure her almoner and everybody knew that there was nothing to it. Yeah. And she was worried about that comment. So that's the story on that comment.
2: Hmm. And Cromwell, like, I just, Cromwell's like a really bad dude, huh? He's a like, really smart guy. No, who, but I mean, like, he's cold. He's like, cold. I mean, he, he he knew, I mean, at least, not like I, I knew the guy or what was going on, but from what is being portrayed in the show, I mean, he, he knew all this was totally fake. Yeah. And was just going around and, like, grabbing people and... Yeah. Man. Yeah, just wild and like incensing him to death and everything.
1: Yeah, well, you know, like like we said, it was either going to be no, him or them, and, and he me, had to. Yeah. I, I, uh,
2: I'm just, he's just cold. I yeah. mean
1: Well, he winds up losing his head too, yeah, so you know he, get,
2: he gets his. And so Anne went in, and and she went into the tower and never left. I mean, when when yeah. she walked in, that was it. Yeah. Gosh. And
1: she did say like. They took her by barge uh-huh. down the river, and there's the the water gate it's called Trader's Gate now um and you go in on on the river and she got off the boat and saw the the uh, constable of the tower there and and she said, "Am I to have a dungeon?" and he said, no, you're you know you're queen. you have your apartments." and she kind of like fainted and said, "It's too good for me, just like she did here and yeah. And she was kind of stumbling and stuff like that at the time, so that was pretty accurate
2: what a nightmare mm-hmm. just a nightmare like i'm not a big fan of Anne, but this is just ridiculous like, just inhumane yeah it's ridiculous it's like ridiculous oh and bless cram cramner is Cranmer. His- Cranmer. uh-huh just bless him for speaking yeah. up for saying something for yeah like- he's
1: the only one who did
2: jeez
1: and he wrote he said you know i i can't believe that this is true and if Mm. it is like it was so well hidden i can't believe it but then he was charged with finding out how to make their marriage invalid and he actually went to anne in the tower and made her sign, maybe it'll show it in the next episode, uh-huh. I'm not sure, made her sign a paper saying that, you know, she agreed that she wasn't, that, the, that their marriage was invalid. And a lot of people think that she signed it because she thought that, like, she'd be put in a nunnery or something and it would go easier mm-hmm. on her if, if she did that.
2: I, I put down just, like, it's like the, the dirty side of, like, getting into this, like, you know, kind of politics business, if you want to say that. Like, yeah. Because it's like, you know, when things are going good for Cram... Cran Cranmer. Cranmer and things are going good for him and his thing. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna jump on this thing and do yeah. good with this. And and now all of a sudden he's like asked to like be a part of yeah of this nasty messy yeah thing. Like go get like a dying woman's signature yeah. on some like false yeah you know thing that you don't believe in like yeah ugh yeah just like I bet he's you know you can't speak up at that yeah. point. I mean yeah. It just seems like everyone's going crazy. The king and yeah, and then well, I guess I guess you were saying that that people said that Cromwell probably did it all. Um, yeah. Okay.
1: Just staged the whole thing, and they had a trial. I mean, it doesn't. It shows here like they're arrested, and boom, they're yeah. dead. There was like three weeks, two and like, a half trials. weeks in there of of trial and everything like that. Yeah.
2: And why it lived through mm-hmm. all this,
1: and that poem that they read at the end uh-huh. is. Is true that was a poem that he he wrote? He wrote um,
2: oh, while s- he was locked yeah, up.
1: and it does say um, the high mountains are blasted oft when the lowly valley is mild and soft. Fortune with health stands at debate. The fall is grievous from aloft, and sure circa regnatona—that means "end around the throne." The thunder rolls, which is what they said mm-hmm. in English here at the end. These bloody days have broken my heart, my lust, my youth. Did them depart? and blind desire of a state who hastes to climb, seeks to revert of truth circa regna tonet. And then he says, the ble- the bell tower, which is where he was watching this from, showed me such a sight that in my head sticks day and night. There I did learn out of a great for all favor, glory, or might, that yet circa regna tonet. So he he was able to watch it and see and wrote
2: a poem about it. See, that's just, that's cool. Yeah, really yeah. something. That's <laughs> that's what you've got. That's it. I mean, just that I I really don't like killing people. Yeah, you want to tell me more about the trials? Oh uh, well, just
1: that you know they it was pretty much a, a stacked jury and but they did have trials and lord rochford i'm surprised i thought they showed it in this maybe next maybe, maybe it was something no error. because he was rochford was dead by that point there was a, a part of his trial i really thought they showed it in the tutors i'll have to see next time it's been almost 10 years since i watched where apparently there was this this proof of what Anne said that uh, henry couldn't please a woman and was infertile and you know all of that and they handed it to george and said you're not meant to read this out loud because it would be you know bad Mm -hmm. for the king but did you say this and he knew what was going on and he was like well of course i would never say that the king couldn't you know perform like and he just said it and the whole place exploded in laughter and you know they tried to shut him up and were like oh you know to stop saying that and he's like what do you want like how how's it going to get worse for me right yeah. and a lot of the dates like well we'll i i hope they show Anne's trial next time they he said just in the thing that Anne had a trial and she's scheduled to be executed, so I'm not sure. But Anne really performed really, really well at her trial. And one thing about trials at this time is that defendants were not given the evidence against them before they went into trial. Mm -hmm. Whereas now there's, you know, the discovery period, all that kind of stuff. And a lot of times they weren't even told the full charges. So they had to go in not even knowing what they were defending themselves against and what evidence there was. And she really, like everybody was really impressed with what, she had done and mm-hmm. everybody could tell that she did a really good job and that she was innocent and it was just a total show trial and there was a lot of debate about you know whether there there was a period where they weren't even sure that she was going to be found guilty because she did such a, a good, good job, job. but yeah. you know she kind of had to be at that point and so that was something interesting of, you know, how well she she did there. And and Cromwell, oh, and yeah, we showed her trying to reach out to Henry at the end. And like I said before, they really tried to keep her separate because they knew that hold that she had over him. And Cromwell was worried that the trials weren't going to go in his favor for a while. And for people who want to read more about this, there's a really good book that Alison Weir wrote called The Lady in the Tower. And it traces the whole like last six months of the plot against her and all of the details and all of the trials and everything like that. And it's a really good book. So if people want to read more about her fall, they can check that book out.
2: Sounds riveting.
1: It really was really interesting.
2: Oh, I, I, I bet it is interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It just yeah. It sounds depressing.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I kind of had to, you know, that's why I have to take a break sometimes from reading history books and just read some chiclet or travel or something because it's like, kind of like, You get tired of these books where everybody dies. It's
2: really heavy. And it's like they really did. It's it's not even like, oh man, it died. Oh, okay, well, it's a fictional character. It's like, no. That person really died. Yeah.
1: Well, that's like when I had... In
2: front of their brother. When I had the
1: flu at the end of January, Mm -hmm. I was reading that Adrian Dillard book about Jane and George Boleyn, which Jane Boleyn dies later on, too. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that happened. And then I was reading a book about Jane Seymour and her death in childbirth in childbirth is by Janet Wirtman, And I also had the flu and was like, felt like crap at the time. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't keep reading these horrible books. Like Like I have this sweating sickness. And and so I was like, (laughs) I have to read some chiclets. So
2: I'm glad you didn't die of the sweating sickness.
1: Yeah. So anyway, that's, there's a there's a couple. Also, Claire Ridgway has the countdown book to Anne Boleyn's fall, where she goes down every day mm-hmm. and says what happened yeah. on that
2: day, counting down to it.
1: So there you go. That's it, huh?
2: That's it. Here's to not as many people getting their heads chopped off in the next episode.
1: Well, we're going to have to see Anne.
2: Yeah. It's...
1: Yeah. And then after that, we won't have heads chopped off for a little while. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening and watching along with us. And we hope you enjoyed... Hearing the stories here. You can get show notes at watchingthetutors.com, a full archive of all of the episodes. And just a reminder that if you like this show, the best thing you can do to help us grow it is to leave a rating on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you use to watch it, listen to it. And yeah, watchingthetutors.com to get more info about us. And we'll be back in a couple of
2: weeks. Yeah, thank you. Thank
1: you.